forsake the assembling of ourselves together, be it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, evening or morning. But there's a whole lot of people. God doesn't accept your worship. You don't worship on Friday night to Saturday. It's like, huh? As if we were ever accepted by God because of our worship. Why are we accepted by God? Faith in who? Jesus. We're only accepted one way. No matter what day you keep worshiping on. Today's message takes a look at the law in the Bible, how Jesus came to fulfill the law and what that means for us today. We're reminded again and again that following the law doesn't get us a place in God's kingdom. Only Jesus' death and resurrection accomplishes that for us. Pastor Daniel reminds us also that even though we're saved, that doesn't give us a ticket to do whatever we like. We obey Jesus now because of what he's done for us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, What About the Law? Before God, every single one of us stands in the same place. So no matter who you are or where you are or how far down the narrow, difficult road you are, we all come to God as a total train wreck every day. In need of the grace of God, in need of the gospel, just as much today as on the day that you got saved. But for so many of us, we're saved and then we start to do it by work. We start to feel pretty good about ourselves. Like, I don't know how many parents are self-justifying by the way that they raise their kids. If those kids bring home straight A's, all right, I'm doing all right. If that child brings home a B, I mean, our hearts that try and keep the law, whatever it is, I mean, I spent the first four or five years as a pastor trying to preach my way into justification every Sunday. If I preached the gospel and people responded to it, then I'm justified in the eyes of God. There's nothing more miserable than trying to be self-justified by your ministry. Before I was in ministry, I tried to self-justify by my music career. Before that, I tried to self-justify by how many friends that I had. Before that, I tried to justify by making my parents happy. Before that, and before that, and before that. So the question for each one of us is, how are we trying to self-justify? What is the law that you and I have erected in our own hearts that makes us acceptable as we understand it in the eyes of God? And I will tell you, if you feel in anything other than simply Jesus, then you have a work of law situation. You're under the law. You've placed yourself under the bondage of a law that God has freed you from in Christ. That's the gospel. Now, look at what happens in verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, 
but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Verse 15. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Now, this whole section teaches us this. At the cross, Jesus bore the curse of the law. At the cross, Jesus bore the curse of the law. And we really get that brought home to us in verse 13 and in verse 17. Those two verses bring this truth home. At the cross, Jesus bore the curse of the law. Now, if you notice in verse 10, in verse 11, in verse 12, and in verse 13, the Apostle Paul quotes the Old Testament. There's quotes in each one of those verses. See, remember I told you the Galatians were trying to be justified by believing in Jesus and keeping the Jewish law. So what the Apostle Paul does in classic rabbinical style is he pearl strings together. That's what they call it. Scripture, 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 scripture to make his case. He wants to say, look, you guys, you guys are trying to be right with God by your belief in Jesus and keeping the Old Testament law. Let me show you why that's an error. So he begins, and he just brings it all together. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. That is Deuteronomy 27, 26. He just quotes it. Now, what's interesting, there's two important words in this verse, the word all and the word do. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law. See, Paul makes the case that if you're going to put yourself under the law, then you need to be put under the whole law. So you have to do everything in the law, all of it. And you can't just know it. You can't just say, yeah, I know that that's true. You actually need to do it. See, it's interesting. I have some friends. I have some really close friends. I have one friend who's a rabbi, Orthodox rabbi. And when I got saved, I sat down, I talked to him. I said, so listen, let's talk about Yom Kippur. He's like, okay, yeah, let's talk about it. I'm like, so you're keeping the law, right? He's like, yeah, doing the best I can. I'm like, so what do you do about the animal sacrifice? I'm like, because on Yom Kippur, if you're Jewish and you're trying to be justified by the Jewish law, what do you do? You fast, you ask for forgiveness from people you've wronged, and then that's it. But in the law, it says you need to fast and you need to offer an animal sacrifice to atone for your sins. So, So what do you do? He's like, well, you know, there's a lot of legal loopholes because we don't have a temple. I said, well, does God accept your legal loopholes? And he looked at me, you know, and he's from New Jersey too, so you can just talk that way, you know. And he thought about it for a second. He's like, that's a great point. You see, 
we live in a day and age now where a lot of Christians are very fascinated with becoming more Jewish. You know, but it's like we believe in Jesus, so we want to be under the yoke of the Jewish law. And there's nothing worse when someone who doesn't know any Hebrew starts trying to talk to you in Hebrew, and you're just like, yeah, man, we are in America. You know? As if, as if God hears your greeting when you say shalom instead of hello. Now, I'm not knocking it, really, but it's so interesting how quickly a fascination becomes the bondage of law-keeping. God doesn't accept your worship if you don't worship on this day. See, what's interesting is for so many people, when you think about Sabbath-keeping, it's like God only accepts worship on one day of the week. You know what the answer to that is? Uh-huh. We were created to worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we should never forsake the assembling of ourselves together, be it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, evening or morning. But there's a whole lot of people. God doesn't accept your worship because you don't worship on Friday night to Saturday. It's like, huh? As if we were ever accepted by God because of our worship. Why are we accepted by God? Faith in who? Jesus. We're only accepted one way. No matter what day you keep worshiping on. No matter what day. See, listen, if you're going to try and put yourself under the law, you better put yourself under the whole law and you better do it all. And guess what? Everybody fails. Everybody fails. Now, in the next verse, look at what it says. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. That's Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. For the just shall live by faith. Now, what's interesting is that this verse pops up in the New Testament three times. Now, it's interesting that it says, the just shall live by faith. Now, in Romans 1.17, it shows up. And Paul's focusing on the fact that the just shall live by faith, that last clause. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, the just shall live. That living part is emphasized. And here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, it shows up the third time. And the focus on the just, those who are justified. He's saying, look, those who are justified, they do it by faith. And then in verse 12, yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. That's Leviticus 18.5. See, Paul's, he's just making a case. Like boom, 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 boom. Just like that. It's brilliant. It's like the ultimate spiritual setup from the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit. Saying, if you want to be justified by the law, look. And he gets you to the end here. Because look what it says. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's Deuteronomy 21, 23. He's saying this. Because all of us fail at the law, someone has to be cursed. And the law says, Deuteronomy 21, 23, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And he's saying, that's Jesus. Jesus bore the curse of the law for us. That's the gospel. That under the law, we're all cursed. Listen to 2 Corinthians five twenty one, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's a glorious verse. This is why, as a pastor, 
as a Bible teacher, we will never stray from that one message. It's all about Jesus because God made Jesus. He made him who knew no sin, the perfect lamb of God to be sin for us. So when Jesus is on that cross and the father turns his back, so to speak, on Jesus in judgment, he became our sin right there. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So on the cross, Jesus took on all of our sin and by faith, we get robed in his righteousness. Only God can do that by the spirit. It has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with who he is and what he did. But then the question becomes, what's the deal about the law? Look at verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there have been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So the law is our tutor to bring us to faith in Jesus. That's the law's function. It functions as a tutor. Now, this word that's translated tutor here, it's the Greek word that we get our word pedagogue from or learning. The idea of this person, it was more of like a nanny who was a teacher at the same time. In that culture, there was somebody who stayed with the family whose whole job was the nurturing of a child. So the law's job was to tutor us, to teach us, to mold us, to help us realize that we all fail under the law. And that tutor's job was to bring us to that awareness that we need salvation and ushers us right into the arms of Jesus. For many of you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, but you are under a huge yoke of your own law. And you spend so much time, so much energy trying to self-justify, even though you believe in Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, listen. Jesus said his yoke is what? Easy. And his burden is light. So if you find yourself under this heavy weight of your own self-justification attempt, I just want to encourage you, just come to Jesus. Say, Jesus, you know I'm trying to self-justify. You know I'm trying to be right with you by this thing. And let him take that burden from you. That's what he did. See, the law brings us. It's a custodian. It brings us to Jesus. And so, so many of us, maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you're wilting under your own self-justification attempts. Just come to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. If you want more information about this, we don't have time for it now, but Romans chapter 7, verses 7 to 12, is a great section of scripture for you to go to and look at. 
It talks more about what the law does, how the law brings us. And the reality is what it does is it reveals to us how sinful we really are. We wouldn't know what covetousness was if the law didn't say don't covet. So by giving us the framework, we realize how far short we fail. Now, we're going to close right here in verse 26 to 29. Look what it says. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the same promise. These verses teach us this. We are saved and sanctified by faith. We are saved and sanctified by faith. Now, think about this. We've made a strong case that we're saved by faith, that we are brought into relationship with God by our faith. Now, I'm here to tell you that you are also, you grow in your relationship with God by faith as well. For most of us, we're saved by faith and then we're sanctified by works. No, you are saved by faith. And you are set apart to God by faith as well. And that being set apart to God by faith plays itself out in good works. That's what it does. We are sons of God through faith in Christ. And as many as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So the reality is, is our whole life as Christians, from day one to the last day we get, it's all done by faith. All done by faith. And what's interesting is because it's by faith and not by works, there is no divisions. That's why he says there's neither male nor female, slave nor free. He's saying, look, everybody's the same. We're brought to God by faith and we are growing in God by faith. So then the question becomes, so then what about the works? Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. For by grace... You have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You notice what it says? We're saved by faith because of God's grace, not of works. But he says, for we are his workmanship. That word workmanship It's the Greek word poema, which we get our word poem. We are each God's work of art created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I make this whole case. It's all about faith. It's all about faith. And most people would say, so we just do whatever we want. We say we're saved. That was a position that they held in the early church. It was called antinomianism which means because I'm saved by grace, who cares what I do? I can sleep with who I want to. I can steal, I can lie, and I'm saved. No, 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 Listen, because we're saved by grace, through faith, because of our faith in God, then the good works are the outgrowth of that, the fruit of that. Good works as Christians is the outgrowth of our relationship with God. God has saved us unto good works. Now, listen. What is so important for you and I is this. We live in a world and in a county that people aren't running to church to get saved. 
And you have to realize, and I have to realize, that we are most likely, our lives, the only Bible someone's ever going to read. Your life. And I pray that as a church, we are provoked by our faith in God unto good works. That we serve our community in the name of Jesus. That you serve your neighbors in the name of Jesus. doesn't matter if they deserve it or not. The grace of God teaches us that none of us deserved it and God gave it to us anyway. And my prayer for us as Crossroads is that as, I mean, God has blessed us tremendously. But there is a county that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. But before they're going to hear it, they need to see it lived out. They want to see it in our lives. Most people are not into someone flying in and telling them how to live. But when somebody sees a life that is different, they say, well, I don't understand what that person's up to. You say, well, look, I do it because of Jesus. That is powerful. That is powerful. I'm going to close with tithing. Tithing, it's the biblical teaching of the giving of a tenth of your income. There's a question, what should we do? Can we give our energy? Listen, the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I'll tell you this. In regards to our generosity of life, I would say that you all wish you were under law rather than under grace. Because if you're under law, I give God a tenth. If you're under grace, you realize it's all his. It's all his. Your money, your gifts, your talents, your time, your calendar, it's all his. See, most people say, look, we're not under the law, we're under grace, so let's not give it all. I'm like, well, so is God's grace meant to be selfish? See, the reality is this. God loves a cheerful giver. And anytime I struggle with giving, whether it's my energy, my time, my money, and I go to the Lord, I'd be like, Lord, why aren't I a cheerful giver? You know what the answer to that always comes back as? Because you're stinking selfish, Daniel. It comes every time. Because you're selfish. And then I repent. God, make me like Jesus. Until Jesus returns, there is work on our docket. And I want to encourage each one of you, forget a 10% of your time, a 10% of your money, a 10% of your giving. Give your life solely to God and be released to do the ministry he's called you to do. The ministry in your community, the ministry on your job, the ministry here at the church that you were a part of. I believe that God wants to move through crossroads unlike anything any of us have ever dreamed about. I believe that God wants to fill the kingdom with people from this county. I believe that God wants to release some of you. You have these gifts and you're just not using them. I believe God wants you to use them. I believe God wants each one of us to make a radical, a radical investment into his kingdom. But it's definitely not going to happen if we're trying to keep a law to be right with God. It's only going to happen when we live reckless in the extravagant grace of God. Jesus is Pastor Daniel's message to us was clear today. We are saved through Jesus alone. All we do to try to be perfect will never work and will leave us feeling tired and unworthy. Jesus wants to do great things in us. All we need to do is come to Him. 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Thanks, Tracy. We also want to encourage every Jesus is Real radio listener to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. We've purchased time on this radio station, and this message has been professionally produced. This all comes at a cost. For anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more through the month of August, we'll send you a handmade leather bracelet with the word real on it. This bracelet was designed to be a helpful reminder to pray for Jesus is Real Radio. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to support Jesus is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel dives into a variety of questions that Christians have expressed. From suicide to slavery to women writing the Bible, Pastor Daniel shares the biblical view on each topic, covering them with the gospel message. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled, Really? Until then, may God bless. My